welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I'm also the host of Out of Bounds, which you can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. I am extremely excited today that I get to welcome in a very special guest here on the phone lines, and it is Nikki Chavanel of hogbeat.com. Nikki, really appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. Thanks for letting me be a part of the nonsense. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's great. It's the best part about the podcast, honestly. Nobody cares about the Razorback stuff. It's more about just like the stuff that you know people kind of want to hear about but don't really think about. I don't know. It's fun. I try to make the podcast as fun as possible. But, uh, you know, it's kind of been difficult, though, being fun during all of this stuff no because doubt. Razorbacks have not really been doing much. There's been a few storylines here and there, but – uh, it's a little different for, I guess for me, cause I do a radio show every day and I get to do a podcast most of the time. So it's like, I can still kind of be a little bit of uh, flexible by having some fun to go along with it. But as a writer, I'm sure you can't really do the same thing. So how have you and the Hogbeat team trying to been making this all work considering that there's really no sports to talk about? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, it is hard to get people to buy a subscription to a sports website when there's no sports <laughs> happening, John. Yeah. Who knew? Um, but we're, we're doing our best. I mean, there has been a surprising amount of breaking news during this time from Eric Musselman landing transfers to just reaching out to them, and he's done that a million times. So we can always write a new story on those guys if you want to take your time to read it. Um, recruiting is a never-ending cycle. Um, Love catching up with all 245 Arkansas recruits and narrowing it down to, you know, the guys that maybe will eventually visit and going from there. Um, Hutch right now is doing a lot of baseball stuff, even though there's no baseball going on. Uh, the team has gotten like four new transfers. A couple guys have, not a couple, like six guys have transferred out of Arkansas. And then um, he's also doing a series running through all of the 2020 signees and that class was very highly ranked as well. Not as high as the, the 2021 class, but still, you know, right up there as Dave Van Horn usually does. So we're, we're keeping it going on the message board. I've allowed a little bit of politics on the board, just, just one thread where it's allowed and it's nuts and it's uh, constantly running and it'll end after <laughs> the coronavirus does. So who knows when that will be, but we have to be a little lenient during these times and kind of let people have fun and talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, you know it's bad if on a website like yours, you're allowing a political thread. Like that's when you know things are getting interesting because if it's anything like, which I'm sure it is, just like it is on social media or anything like that, it probably gets pretty intense. But, you know, that, but those are the things you kind of have to do, though, during these times. I mean, I know that uh, again, you're more Razorback based and you have to have some Razorback news. There's been some things and you know, I've been kind of more on my show and on my podcast talking about the last dance that's been coming out and you know, I love just trying to find... the last dance. It's yeah, me. exactly. And that's why it's like, okay, well, at least I know other people are watching it so I can make it work a little bit. But the thing is, is like, it's, I've been one of these people and I'm sure that many of us in the business are like this where, you know, I, as far as sports coming back, I'm remaining very optimistic, but it, sometimes it can be a little 
tough because sometimes people want to be almost overly cautious about it. So if you release like any sort of like positivity yeah. or anything, people get mad. But if then if you like start doubting sports may come back at yeah. a certain time, people get mad. So it's just a very fragile time right now, even in the world of sports, because everyone wants them back, but we also all want them back under safe conditions as well. Yeah. Like media members explaining why sports are not, the best thing to have back right now with fans in the stands is, comes off as like us not wanting it, which is absolutely not the case. We don't even know what it would look like as media for us because there are quite a few older Arkansas media members who I could imagine would not feel comfortable in a crowded press box. Uh, but I'm confident that, you know, there will at least be football played. That's, it's, it's going to happen. I don't think there's any way to keep the powers at be from making that happen. Um, the conferences will take matters into their own hands. And surprisingly, you know, I thought it would be more of a problem. Like we saw, like, Louisiana had a pretty bad outbreak, but it seems yeah. to be pretty cleared up in the South. So that's good news for yeah. fall at least. Yeah. Well, I know I'm all about the good news and the positivity of it all. And that's really where – it comes into play where it's going to be probably more interesting with Arkansas and football, I think, more than any other school. Because, you know, I think everyone's in a unique situation. But you're talking about Arkansas with Sam Pittman as a first-year head coach, really at any major level, coming into a program that's got back-to-back -back seasons of 2-10, and 10, and you don't even get spring practice. It's like I feel like all of those factors going against Sam Pittman is probably worse off than a lot of these other programs. But, you know, the show must go on. You're going to have to just make do. And I know Sam Pittman will do so. So I guess the question becomes, assuming we have football season and assuming the Razorbacks play this year, what is this team going to look like in year one under Sam Pittman? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of uncertainty having Sam Pittman as the, as the head coach. He's never done it before. But that also means, like, there's a lot of excitement for what he's going to bring to the table. And we, we know he pretty much hit it out of the park by most people's standards with Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom. Um, Odom could have very well held on to his head coaching job in the SEC. Like, I don't think he was doing too terrible of a job over there at Missouri. So to have a guy that's, you know, head coach caliber as your defensive coordinator is huge. Kendall Bryles' offenses have shown – a ton of improvement from year one to year two. So I would expect the exact same thing here at Arkansas. Uh, they're returning almost everybody on the offense. So, and replacing two inept quarterbacks with a much better, more experienced one from the SEC. So the offense should, can't say be exponentially better, but almost, I mean, I don't see why they can't, you know, work their way into the middle of the pack on offense. You have Rakeem Boyd. He's going to run the football very well. And Traylon Smith, from what we could tell and from what I heard from people at Arizona State, he's going to be very good as well. And you're going to need that with Rakeem because he does tend to check out of the, the game. But maybe he'll be, you know, better conditioned or more healthy or something like that. It seemed like he was pretty banged up from all his carries last season. But – on defense, you return a lot of young talent, and I think that Barry Odom's leadership and the way that he is going to scheme them and stuff like that, it's, it's going to make them a lot better. 
but I think that's going to be more of a progressive improvement on the defensive side because it's going to still take those young players a little while to come into their own. Guys like Mateo Soli, I mean, he's still struggling to put on weight. So, like, once he finally gets to be able to do that effectively, like, he's going to be a lot better. Just more things down the road that I think are going to take some time. We'll continue our conversation with Nikki Chavanel here in just a second. But first, folks, I got to tell you that now that I've been actually able to go back to the gym a little more frequently, I'm feeling good. I'm really feeling good. I feel like I'm looking better, except for that time I went to Taco Bell, but that's neither here nor there. But anyways, I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get in better shape. And the thing that's been working for me the most has been these built Bars, which are absolutely outstanding. It's the best tasting protein bar ever, and it actually helps you build your protein healthy. And that's what's great. It's the best of both worlds. It tastes great, and it's healthy. It tastes like a candy bar, and they're covered 100% chocolate. And so it's soft and easy to chew. It also gives you some great energy as well. And it's built for all of us health-conscious guys. We're trying to listen. It's lake season. It's beach season, right? We got to look good so we can lose and maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. And they're all low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. They're great bars. I wouldn't recommend it to you if I didn't fully believe it, folks. And here's the best thing about it. We have an offer for you here on Locked On Razorbacks Podcast. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com and you'll be able to really help your health as well as your workout routine and just really make you start feeling a lot better. It's an easy, great snack and you get $10 off your first order. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, enter in the promo code LOCKEDON. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Yeah, because I'm optimistic about Sam Pippen and the things that he's done and the coaching staff he's put together. And I think that that's might be the most impressive thing to me. And, and again, I don't know what it's going to mean at the end of the day. I mean, is it going to mean a six and six season? I don't know. But it's impressive to me that Sam, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go almost too optimistic with it. But I will say, though, that given the amount of very young talent, young raw talent, given the fact that you are returning, as, even though you didn't have a lot of great players last year, you still are returning a few key ones, of Rakeem Boyd being the main one. You went and got your quarterback in the transfer portal that has legit SEC experience. Barry Odom is a great hire as a defense coordinator. You know, I thought that Missouri made a bad decision in firing him, but as a Razorback fan, you're happy for it because it means he's your yeah. DC. Kendall Brown's like everything coming together, the recruiting class that Sam Pittman put together after being hired late and getting past the early signing period, it just seems like everything's going as well as you could ask as a Razorback fan, given the circumstances. Now, again, I don't know what that's going to mean, but – I think that you have to give it up to Sam Pittman and as a first-year coach at this level, putting all the pieces together to at least provide optimism for Razorback fans. Yeah, from our point of view, we can't really see what is going on within the program right now. We know the coaches are out on their own recruiting. Um, I know Justin Steps in Florida, these like these guys go back home or wherever they want to be if, if – I had the option of being in Florida and still working. I would do that too, but they're writing the recruiting letters, doing the FaceTime, all that kind of stuff. You cannot help that kids are not that excited about a 
back-to-back two and ten program with a new head coach that they don't know too much about like a lot of people knew Sam Pittman's name in the SEC circles especially uh, but he's still a former offensive line coach and those guys just don't get the recognition that most people do. The draft, I think, was big for him, very timely for him to have two more um, first-round drafts, and then I think there were, like, two more regular draftees. So, I mean, that was great for him, but not being able to bring kids to campus was just really devastating for their efforts because they're doing great on kids that they have managed to bring in, but without that, you're just not going to get the elite recruits because they have no idea what Arkansas looks like just like as a community and stuff like that outside of the campus you can show that to them but they still don't get the real feel for it um and then like right now we've seen a doubling of the number of early commitments like at this point over last year kids are just they don't want to wait for their visits they want it to be locked in, and I don't know why, but I think the social media attention really spurs these kids to make these decisions. They might go back on later. They don't really care about that. They see it happen a lot. They see, like, kids flipping so it doesn't become a big deal. Um, But, yeah, the the cut list, the commitments, it's going to create a lot of chaos later on the cycle, and maybe Arkansas can capitalize off of that because – if you decommit and you don't have a spot elsewhere, you just might end up at Arkansas. <laughs> and and in that case, you know, sometimes that works out for certain players. But, you know, when you brought up an interesting point about Sam Pittman being an offensive line coach, like college football has been around obviously a very long time. And coaches have gotten head coaching jobs from a lot of different areas. You know, for I guess probably right now, most people, if you're going to make that jump from an assistant coach to a head coach, it's going to be a coordinator of some sort, yeah. uh, especially an offensive coordinator. And, you know, there was a time where, you know, people, you had to have a head coaching spot at a smaller school before you'd even get a bigger, like everything's changing. It's always evolving. Yeah. But I feel like offensive line coaches never were in the mix of getting these head coaching jobs. And, it's, I've always found it weird because if anybody is great at managing, it would be an offensive line coach who's really good because you have five guys that all have to be on the same page or everything will come crumbling down. And if you're really good at it, you feel like that would translate really well to managing a college football team where, yeah, you have more players, more positions, more all that. But the, the idea of it all and the idea of management is there. And so – why has it been so long since offensive line coaches and why is it so rare that they get these opportunities? Is it just because they're not sexy enough? Is it not the, the fun, cool, explosive offensive minds that people want? I mean, what is the problem? Well, you, you said it earlier, like a lot of these head coaches, most of them are offensive or defensive coordinators first. And you're kind of known for what kind of scheme that you run and stuff like that. If you're an offensive line coach, you kind of meld to whatever, you know, offensive coordinator you have or whatever head coach you have. Um, And they just – I feel like offensive line coaches have a personality of never really seeking out attention, never seeking out praise, and that's not really how you excel. Sometimes you have to promote yourself. And um, 
Like, you don't recruit the sexiest players on the team, so you're not known as a big recruiter, although Sam Pittman has done it consistently enough to, to earn that acclaim. But others, like, you know, Chad Morris was known for recruiting Deshaun Watson, and that helped his case because if he can recruit Deshaun Watson, he can recruit anybody, right? So, um, it, yeah, I would – every offensive line coach I have met has been awesome. Like, they're so open to talking, and they're honest when they're talking, and maybe that's not – what you actually want as your head coach. Maybe you want someone more established in the coach speak, but no, offensive line coaches are always like some of the smartest guys in the room. So I think Arkansas can make it work. Coach O did it. Um, it didn't work out the first time, but I don't really know what the scenario was over at Ole Miss. I don't know what the deal was, so I can't really speak on that, but worked out great at LSU. Yeah, from what I remember at Ole Miss, he was a phenomenal recruiter. Like, just, uh, I mean, I remember that when Houston Nutt took over after Ed Orgeron got fired, Houston had back-to-back nine and four seasons. And one because of Houston Nutt's great coaching. It was because of uh, just the amount of talent there. And because it's recruiting what it's all about. And honestly, you know, I know we could talk about a lot of different players, but the player that I think is going to be the one that gets watched the most and is going to be the most interested from fan perspective of who or how he's going to perform is Felipe Franks because Arkansas had two transfer quarterbacks last year and both of them were not good. Uh, The year before that, they had two quarterbacks that were probably Sunbelt level quarterbacks, which is not an insult. It's just where they ended up having success at when they transferred out. Uh, but before that, you had Austin Allen, who was really good. You had Brandon Allen. You had Tyler Wilson, Ryan Mallett, just dating it back. So it's like Arkansas had a stint where they had really good quarterback play. But over the past two years, especially, it's been really bad. So where is Felipe Franks going to fit in this whole thing? As far as the conference goes, as far as what Arkansas is used to as a passer, what what can people expect out of him in year one? Yeah, well – I mean, he's not going to have the same caliber of players that he had at Florida, but Arkansas's offensive starters are still pretty dang good. Traylon Burks is a freak, so any like target him so much more. Um, get him the ball in the end zone, first of all. I cannot believe that he didn't have a touchdown last season. Just a travesty unheard of in college football, probably. Um, the offensive line was much more improved than a lot of people thought last season. So I think he's going to have better protection. And then you bring in Sam Pittman and Brad Davis, who he absolutely vouches for as one of the best offensive line coaches in the nation behind him. Um, that offensive line just going to get so much better. Um, Florida, I can't remember what their offensive line looked like, but I don't think they were, you know, one of the best out there. So I always remember, like, when I was looking at Arkansas's PFF grades, like, Florida was just, like, a couple notches ahead of them in offensive line grades. So, uh, Felipe Franks, he has a hell of an arm, like, an absolute cannon. He's got legs, like, not – I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Not like Russell Wilson, okay, but he's definitely super mobile. Um, I hope that ankle healed – really really well um it seems like it has I've been seeing like Instagram stories of him throwing around a lot with the players but obviously not doing the type of stuff you'd see in a spring practice where he actually has to make reads and move around but seems pretty mobile um I I have no reason to believe he can't perform at the level he was at Florida and that should be enough 
for Arkansas fans, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, see, and that's where I'm kind of at, too, because I'm like, I don't think anyone should expect him to come in and be like Brandon Allen and throw for 30 touchdowns in one year. I mean, that'd be great, but I don't think that that's a, a realistic expectation. It's just a matter of can he just – can he not be a mistake machine? Can he not just throw picks all the time? Because I feel like the, the rushing attack is going to be very strong. I feel like the offensive line is going to be much more improved. And so – and he's got weapons. He really does. But get him the ball in space and, and don't try to take a lot of risk because, honestly, uh, I know that there were a ro- lot of problems along with Arkansas last year. But, you know, Nick Starkle, we saw him in that Colorado State game where he started the whole game. And it was like, okay, he looks pretty good. You know, this is what we were hoping to see. And then one game later, boom, San Jose State happens, throws five interceptions. It was never the same. So it's just a matter of – being able to find him and put him in a position to where he won't be making a lot of mistakes and keep his confidence strong. Because I feel like more so than even what this program has gone through now, this team is lacking in confidence (laughs) when you go two and 10 back-to-back years. So the coaches have to instill that they have to put them in some positions to be successful. And I was looking at this, uh, the schedule this year, I'm assuming that we have a full 12 game schedule. Uh, I was looking at it and I started going through kind of the list and it, as crazy as it is to think and as to say, I could realistically see six wins in there if everything – like because I believe the talent is there. Maybe that's the yeah, way to yes. phrase it. Like the talent is there to go six wins. Arkansas a way for it to happen, which right. doesn't always occur for Arkansas. But Right, you know. e- exactly. Because they I have feel, the talent to do that. I absolutely agree. Yeah, because I, you mentioned that, like the offensive pieces. I think the defense will be much improved. And honestly, it's like – are you going to beat Bama? No. Are you going to beat LSU? No. But, you know, maybe, just maybe could you beat Texas A&M? Because that game has been – They always seem to play really hard against Texas yes. A&M. So. It, yes. Like, the past two seasons, you have been your historically worst football team. In both years, you only lost by a touchdown. Like, it, it, to me, maybe that's a game that you get. Mississippi State's going to – it's an early game in the season, but – New coach, uh, I mean, they got a lot of new pieces they're having to replace. We don't know what they're going to look like. Same with Ole Miss. You know, that you don't know what they're going to look like. Missouri, and, you know, they weren't a good team last year. That's why they fired Barry Odom. So, you know, and you know there's going to be some revenge on the mind of Barry Odom in that game. So, I don't know. I was just looking at the schedule, and I'm like, if it goes according to plan, I could see realistically Arkansas winning those three non-conference games that's not named Notre Dame. And I could see three SEC wins in there. And if that's the case – Again, I don't know if Sam Pittman's going to be just the, the best coach of all time in Arkansas history, but it's certainly going to justify the hiring because at this point in time, Arkansas is just wanting to be competitive and going six and six after back-to-back years of two and ten would be a monstrous improvement in year one. Felipe Franks has played against this level of competition before, so I'm fully confident that he can do that and not be nervous, be the leader that he's supposed to be. Um, be confident. Uh, Kendall Brow's system, from what I understand, sounds much simpler uh, for the players to to execute. So that should be going both in the entire offense's favor and in Felipe Franks's favor. Like the less he has to think, probably the better, uh, just for his decision making. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure about six wins, just because. 
I mean, I, tr- I do think that they'll buy into Sam Pittman, but not having spring football, that all hurts Arkansas, I think, a little bit more than it hurts other teams, although there are a, a, quite a few new coaches in the SEC this year to kind of accompany Sam Pittman. And, but you don't want to see the team totally fall off the map in the second half of the season. I'd rather start off kind of shaky and then have like a Jeremy Pruitt type end of the season where like at first – you're like, is this guy, are they going to fire him at some point? Because he's like raging on the sidelines. And then by the end of the season, like they're killing it and not against like the toughest of teams, but they still finish out the season strong and now they're killing it and recruiting. And that's exactly what Arkansas needs to do. They need to finish the season on some kind of momentum, show people that Sam Pittman's got it going on and let him do the recruiting that he does. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Okay, I want to ask you this because I know you've talked to a lot of recruits, and you know, recruits can say things. I don't know if it'll always like like always actually be the truth. Just like every kid, you know, when you're being interviewed, you know, they may just tell you what you want to hear. But my question to you is that if all the recruits you've talked to, what is what has them in their response? What has been their feeling about Sam Pittman in this staff? Has it been an excitement level? Has it been a wait and see level? Comparatively speaking to what it was under Chad Morris, like what is the feeling of Sam Pittman in Arkansas right now, generally speaking? I don't I don't know if this is a coincidence, but the the recruits seem to sound like they feel like Sam Pittman is super genuine. Um, I don't know if that's any kind of change from the last staff. Some people think that Chad Morris was a little bit more of a a showman, a little bit less genuine. But Sam Pittman, I mean, I've met the guy. He is 100% himself all of the time. Um, And I think recruits and parents can appreciate that. Uh, Parents do not want to get any kind of feeling that the head coach is – you know, embellishing or lying to them or anything like that. So he's got the character that parents are going to like. The recruits just genuinely seem excited to kind of see where the program goes. No one is like, we're going to be the best in two years. We're going to, you know, go to a national championship. No one's like that. Uh, But they are very excited to see where the program goes and how they do this season. That's why I think this class is going to be a little overwhelming. Uh, Underwhelming is what I meant. because of the circumstances, because of the lack of visits, I don't think it's going to be particularly impressive. Um, and I just think it's going to take the season to really show kids that the program is going in the right direction. Um, and, you know, four wins might not really excite them. So you got to get maybe five or six if you can. Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and uh, ask you this random question because, again, we talk about nonsense. So, oh uh, first off, did you happen to see this story about the uh, Kentucky cheerleading team, like how they all got – did you see that story? Okay, so I saw something, but I don't actually know what happened. Okay, so essentially what it was is the whole staff and the cheerleading staff got eliminated or fired or whatever because uh, they were doing, like, having these retreats and stuff with, like, alcohol was present. And, what? Uh, yeah, so what? that – the alcohol being present wasn't a big deal yeah, uh, yeah. to me at least. And then the, another part of it was hazing, which they didn't go into detail. And the other one was public nudity. So, yeah, so apparently that's frowned upon. But my question <laughs> is, is like, 
I saw these things and like when I read the stories, it was like, it was just like, apparently that like at these retreats, like the girls would either like, like they play this gymnastics game or something without tops or without bombs or whatever. It doesn't matter. My point is this. I feel like when I was reading that story, I'm like, okay, this is just college. Like I didn't see it as a, a big deal where they were having to fire everybody and all that. And I know that in sports, especially there's always like a form of like hazing and, and all of that. But mm-hmm. since you were obviously a very astute uh, soccer player, I was going to ask you about hazing and if like does does it actually exist? And if it does, is it actually like as bad as what it's sometimes portrayed in the world of sports? So in my sports career, I've never experienced hazing besides like freshmen do the the grunt work, you know, like that kind of stuff, like nothing extreme. Um, and then I was also in a sorority in college and we didn't have hazing. They just gave us a bunch of gifts. So I, that, you're big or whatever. They just give you a bunch of presents and that's as hard as it ever gets. So it's nothing like, you know, fraternity life. I, I know how bad that can get. Um, so I, the nudity sounds interesting to me. I don't, I would, I would probably say that's, you know, grounds for some kind of action because even you know they're cheerleaders they they go around with wearing not too much anyways but like forcing them to be nude if in some kind of activity cannot be a positive thing especially if the organization as a whole knows about it not just like the cheerleaders themselves yeah well because what it looked like is that yeah the story was like the the cheerleading like fellow cheerleaders were like the ones that were like pushing it. But then it's like when the coaches and people like heard about it or whatever, they didn't do anything. Yeah. You got to do something. Yeah. So that I think you're doing something. Yeah. That's kind of, that's what the problem was. And I'm like, and and again, it's just like, cause I remember when I was in, uh, I was going through rush and, and I was in a fraternity up at U of A for the very short period of time that I uh, still had a GPA above 0.6. But (laughs) I I remember one of the things I had to do is I had to spend the night at a cemetery and like that. And I remember I was like, I didn't think anything of it at the time, but then I come to find out there was a story of like another fraternity somewhere else. Like this, like five years later, I forgot Mm -hmm. which school it was at, but anyways, they did the exact same thing and they're like entire like chapter got like canceled and shut down. So it's like, and I've been, when I played sports, like there was a little bit of hazing of there too, like as a sophomore in high school with the seniors, like there was always a little bit of it. So it's just a matter of like, I don't know, I guess you got to, it's like, can you, do you just cut out all hazing altogether or you say, or is there like a line you just don't cross, you know, because there's always going to exist. The line is don't get caught. There you go. See, maybe that's the better way of doing it is just, you know, don't be an idiot. Don't. But the problem is, just like in this story, though, there was a whistleblower. It was the one of the cheerleaders. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, what do you do? Do you just stop hazing altogether? Or do you, because I mean, you got to razz the new guys and the new girls a little bit. You, gotta... you have to make them sign a death pact where if anyone whistleblows, you're just gone. <laughs> there <laughs> That's you go. The way to do it. <laughs> there you go. It's like a, um, trying to think of like kind of like those things that they sign when you like win a a court settlement or something. And it's like, if you talk bad about the business that you sued, it's like, yeah, you lose all yeah. your money, something like that. Like have sign an affidavit. Yeah. Okay. See, we should, 
We just solved that problem. So I don't think we have to worry about that. But anyways, okay, so here's my other question about cheerleading. Now, I don't mean to ask you this because I want your like controversial opinion. I'm just honestly <laughs> curious. Okay. Is cheerleading a sport? Yeah, it definitely is. Okay. Can you At explain why it's a sport? What, what, what makes it a sport? So the cheerleading aspect of like where they have competitions, I don't think okay. like the dancers, like, you know how at games you have like the cheerleaders and then you have the dancers. I don't think the dancers are doing sports, playing sports, but the cheerleaders, like they prepare for competitions and stuff. So okay. I would consider that. And the stuff that they have to do is much more physical than dancing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, I feel like in any sport where you have to be athletes, because I admit they're all athletes. I admit that. Yeah. But it's like, I've always felt like, and this is, again, people have gotten mad at me for this. It's just really tough for me to, ha to like deem a sport something that you get judged on. And now I, yeah, I, okay. I understand that yeah. like, this is not hating on gymnastics at all. This is not hating on any of those Olympic sports, figure skating or whatever, like, that's not, I'm not hating on it. It's just, if I can't see a score, like to know, all right, well, if you do this, yeah, these points or you get to the, this point, like, it's just tough for me because I'm watching like a cheerleading match. Somebody could do something that's, I'm like, oh, that's really good. But then another person does something like, oh, that's pretty good too. But then they win because three people said they got a better score. I don't know. It's just, I don't like sports that get judged at all. Yeah. Yeah. If there was a different word for it, we'd put them in that category. But since there isn't, I guess it's all sports. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. You can create your own J sports, judgmental sports. Yeah. That should be a good one. I could do that. I could do that. See, I'm very petty and very like um, easily upset by some of the smallest of things and salty. Yeah. So, I mean, these are just the stuff that like comes into my mind some days. And I don't know if it's because it's like, it's my radio mind that like pops in for content. But like when this cheerleading story came out that we just talked about, I was like, is cheerleading actually a sport? Cause it's like, if you think about the sanctioned sports at you, universities yeah. though, I don't think they're part of the sanctioned sports officially. So I think there's even ways for some cheerleaders to get scholarships. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. No, there, there is, there I is. I need to know about cheerleading. So I don't, have all the facts. Oh, so you, you're saying you don't cover cheerleading because it's not a sport? Oh, no. There's lots of sports I don't cover. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, I, I wanted your perspective because it's like I said that on my show today and I had people like coming after me like how dare I try to doubt. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not saying they're not talented and it's not, doesn't require athleticism. Like, trust me, like those guys are like all upper body. You do it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know what? I love if I got a scholarship for it and I had the like determination, I wouldn't mind it at all. But it's like, when it comes to a sport, I just, I can't get on board with that. As a freshman in college, actually, I remember me and my roommate, we were friends with the cheerleader and we were like hey Michael teach us like how to do a back tuck so we went to this like trampoline room and tried it I couldn't not even a little bit I couldn't like I wouldn't even jump off the floor I was so afraid to like break my neck so 
they're athletes for sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I will agree there. Um, cause actually, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I try, I like when I would go on trampolines and stuff, I would try to do like, well, backflips and stuff and I can never really do it that well. But for some reason, when I get on my boat in the middle of the day and we had been having a good old time, I can do a great backflip off the boat into the water. It's amazing how that works. I think it's because you won't ricochet and break your arm like on the ground, you know, like if you jump off a trampoline and land awkwardly, you could be flying through the air somewhere. But if you land in the water, you know, you're pretty safe. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Or it could be like the, uh, the extra courage and gusto that I have over a period of time where I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I can oh, yeah. Do just this. drink more beer before you go on the trampoline next time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know what, on this boat, it's uh it's a seltzer boat actually. So. Oh, sure. seltzer only boat. Yeah. yeah. Actually <laughs> it's, it's just whatever's cold apparently on that boat, but uh, either way, well, listen, uh, we got to wrap it up, but I appreciate you coming on and looking forward to having you on a lot more because uh, I need somebody to keep me saying like, I like having sports people on, but then like people who can kind of just like, you know, BS it too, which we're uh, riffing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's like, I want, I want to, sometimes I don't want to talk about, you know, the break down the depth chart of the Razorbacks. I miss talking to people who aren't my family. (laughs) Like I just haven't been hitting people up lately because I know what they're doing. You know, Mm -hmm. I know you're watching Netflix. That's about it. Mm. What am I hitting you up for? We can't go out. We can't hang out. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Keep me so, saying. So you're, so are you, is that, I'll take that as a compliment that you yeah. like wanted to do this. And so that, cause I'm not your family. That's, that's for sure. So anyways, all right, well follow Nikki Chavanel on Twitter at Nikki Chavanel and be sure to subscribe to hogbeat.com because they have great content. Her and Hutch uh, holds it down for all things Razorbacks and they even have a political message board now. So if you're into that too, you can hop on there for the time being until that gets canceled. But uh, it's uh, always a pleasure, Nikki, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later. Bye, John. Have a good one. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.